Welcome everybody, you're on Mind Your Biz, and we got Chris Faison in the house, and uh, we want to wel- give him a big welcome here, and uh, we want to mind his biz. So what's going on, Chris? Well, life's good, man. Can't complain at all, you know, running around all over the place, uh, staying busy, and, you know, staying productive as well, but, uh, but just enjoying the journey. That's it. It's all about the journey. Um, tell everybody about yourself, what you're doing. Um, they, we just want to get in your business, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, you know, I'm glad that uh, we can connect, Evan. I think this will be, this will be great. Um, and you know, I'm really looking forward to providing the audience with, you know, golden nuggets of knowledge that hopefully they can use as takeaways and, and apply to their daily life or, you know, their business in general, right? Um, so kind of, you know, background on me. Uh, so I'm 25 currently, uh, born and raised in Austin, Texas. Um, you know, mother was a you know uh, Mexican immigrant. Uh, dad born here in you know East downtown back when it was the uh, the worst part of uh, kind of sketchy part of the town. So uh, definitely come from you know humble beginnings and you know say the least. Uh, first generation college students, and you know that's really that phase whenever I, I you know I was around the eighteen year old mark is uh, is really when my my mindsets change and my life goals. Uh, as a whole. And that's when, you know, prior to, um, you know, meeting, you know, the right mentors and being around, you know, just the right uh, circle. Uh, you know, my goal was, was just the, the American dream, right? Of, you know, you go to college, uh, you go to, uh, you know, you land your, your good career and then you just work your way up the corporate ladder, right? And so up until that point, my, you know, my life goal was, or, you know, career-wise um, was to, you know, maybe, you know, be the CEO uh, of, let's say, like a corporate bank, right? And, um, you know, after, you know, really, you know, immersing myself um, and, you know, just surrounding myself with entrepreneurs and, and learning about just the, the different side of, um, of life that we're kind of not taught about, especially in, you know, public education or, or maybe, you know, childhood and, uh, you know, in a minority family as well. Um, then, you know, that's when my life, uh, kind of changed my perspective on everything changed. And I knew that working for myself and building my own empire, or in this case, my own biz, uh, would be, would be the goal. Wow. So what gave you the courage or what gave you the, I don't know, you had, you got to be brave to try to break away from the, the stigma that you got to go to college, you got to work for corporation, get your benefits, get your pension. How did you get away from that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're exactly right. And especially, you know, coming from, um, you know, a background or a family where, you know, a, a corporate, you know, high level corporate position, you know, wasn't a thing, right? Um, and so even, you know, if I would have stayed put in you know, a corporate America position and worked my way up the ladder, right? I mean, my parents would have been more than happy with that, more than content. You know what I mean? Like, my son's living the American dream, right? That's enough. Um, but for me to say, no, that's not enough, you know, we need to, I need to do this, but use this, uh, you know, kind of uh, career as a stepping stone and, and build my own, then, I mean, that's the, that's the real risk, you know? Um, but after, you know, at that point, I had gone through, you know, years of, uh, you know, business ventures and just side hustles on my own, as well as, you know, personal development. So I knew that, uh, you know, you, that risk is just flat out necessary. 
it's not necessary. You know, you literally have to, just like the saying goes, you have to, you know, be able to take the risk that others don't and uh, to be able to live life that others can't, right? And so, you know, at that point, um, I'd already, you know, traveled across the country with any of my, you know, like life savings as a broke college student uh, and literally just uh, put everything into personal development, right? Um, you know, they say that you should, the first thing you should invest in is in yourself um, up until you, you scale up to the position to where you can uh, really scale and invest into, you know, business venture and that sort. So at that point, my mind was really made up. Um, but I was also, you know, halfway through college, I was, you know, too far into that to say, you know, hey, let's just drop out and, and jump into a venture. So I figured I would um, get through college as quick as possible, graduated at the age of, you know, 21. Um, and I already had at that point gone through a two-part internship for corporate banking and, uh, you know, just excelled at that and wanted to, wanted to put myself in a position where I could use that high salary from a good starting point, you know, career. And then uh, while I'm there in the banking career, uh, kind of use those, uh, those extra, you know, savings and just uh, high level earning uh, to kind of fund my business venture. So how many years did you put in? How many years did you put into um, corporate America? Yeah, so I would say a little over two years, um, uh, you know, graduating at the age of, you know, 21, something like that. And then, um, you know, I really, uh, I was actually, it's funny enough, on, um, on the day of my 24th birthday is when I, I thought of this Airbnb idea and, and how to kind of revolutionize the market with that. So up until, you know, during those, during those years and during that phase, um, I was still building and scaling and, and then selling my own e-commerce sites. So, you know, I'm over here, even though I know that, um, you know, entrepreneurship is my goal, uh, I'm still, I'm building these, uh, you know, these skills as, you know, a fundamental, just a foundation, right? Even though I know that, you know, these little side hustles aren't going to, you know, be my main source of income forever. Uh, but I know that it's important to build skills such as, you know, public speaking or, you know, tech savvy skills that can then be later uh, be applied to something much larger, right? So that's exactly what I did. Um, you know, I was, I was building and, and selling websites. And then, uh, you know, with those skills that, you know, I really set at an early age, um, once I, you know, thought of the Airbnb idea, I figured, well, what's kind of the more, you know, tech savvy, modern form of real estate, which is, you know, one of the oldest you know, industries, you know, known to man, basically. Um, and so, you know, everything just fell in place. What's interesting about this, though, what... I don't know what provoked you to want to get into Airbnb because common sense would tell you, wait, unless you own a bunch of properties, why are you even getting into that game? What made you think you can enter that game without a portfolio of properties? Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. Um, you know, that could have been maybe rooted from a sense of just a background of travel in general. Um, you know, back to, you know, my banking career, um, I, you know, instantly right after uh, the internship found myself, uh, you know, being promoted a few times within the first, you know, uh, year or two. And, and by doing so during that time, I was, uh, you know, I was traveling all over the country and would always stay at Airbnbs. Um, and, 
you know, I think that, you know, my position there already, you know, I was a data analyst. So I was in charge of uh, handling, you know, like $6 billion worth of uh, investments. And my mindset, you know, back to, back to building skills, you know, my skills were already set, um, you know, and aligned into something much larger. So something like Airbnb, um, at that point, I had already, you know, was born and raised in Austin, uh, went to college out in Houston, and that's where I started my career because the, uh, the company's headquarters were out there. And after, um, you know, some time there, I had the opportunity to move from Houston to San Antonio, uh, which is in the central Texas area as well. And, and once I arrived there, I realized, man, this is, you know, the number seven most populated city in America Yet the cost of living is super cheap, literally half the price of a city like Austin. And I realized that, you know, once I began to create my circle there, my network, I realized that, you know, those individuals who were born and raised in San Antonio were literally blind to the opportunity around them. And that's because they had, you know, maybe spent years and spent the time uh, living in different cities and kind of, they did have the, uh, the chance to compare, you know, San Antonio to different cities. So I realized, man, there's an opportunity here. You know, there are, you know, two uh, bedroom houses right downtown going for the same price of a studio apartment in Austin. Right. And, and I knew that that's when I could uh, really start researching and, uh, you know, just self-talk. Uh, you know, I, went around in my free time and, and literally just walked buildings, walked, uh, you know, uh, commercial apartments and then, you know, you know residential homes and, uh, and started really, you know, painting a picture of what this idea could turn into. And from there on, I mean, my, my mind was just set. I knew that uh, once I would study the uh, kind of the legal side and, and do, the, do the busy work, you know, the, the boring work first, then I knew exactly which houses, uh, you know, and properties to look for in, in the meantime. And, and that's how I, uh, that's how I really started. You know, it's, I realized that especially, you know, at that time being you know, 24, right. Uh, the last thing I wanted to do was get into real estate just by simply going out and purchasing a property. Um, you know, that's the traditional route to go. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I wanted to find, the modern approach to that. And, uh, and really, most importantly, I wanted to find a strategy and create a strategy in which I could scale uh, the business a lot faster. So if you go out and you purchase a $200,000, $300,000 home, I mean, yeah, that's great. You know, you're building that asset and, you know, that equity, but you're also tying yourself into a 20, 30-year loan as well as, you know, you're having to save up your, you know, five figures just to, just to put down. Right. So that's just a slow old school, uh, kind of manner of going about it. And I knew I wanted to, uh, you know, take a modern approach to that. So essentially you were walking houses, walking buildings, and were you signing them up as a host to then rent it out through Airbnb? No. So what I was doing is I I created basically a sales pitch that listed out not only a sales pitch, but pros and cons to the individual owner. So if you, Evan, have, let's say, you know, three rental properties in town, right? I would go every day on my lunch break and right after work, I would go and tour properties 
And, uh, you know, with Tory property, I would, you know, think to myself, okay, this property would work. You know, it's a three bedroom. It would sleep, you know, eight or nine people. And I'm just estimating based off of my research already that it'll bring in, you know, 3,500 a month. So I know that it'll work for my end of it. And, and I'll let you know, hey, you know, if you're open to letting me sublet your property, I'll be the tenant between you and I, you know, you're, you're still a landlord, I'm the tenant. And, you know, my, uh, my name and my LLC are, are on the lease agreement. Uh, but you're giving me permission to sublet it in Airbnb um, out of your property. And of course, right off the bat, you know, 99% of property owners are, are, they're going to say no, you know, they're going to think that they're not going to trust me. Why would you trust a 24 year old with your property, especially with, uh, you know, your real estate business that you've been running the same way for the last, you know, 30 years, right? Longer than I've been alive. And uh, so it made complete sense. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that just told me that they were just stuck in their old ways. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, anything personal, um, but they were just stuck in their old ways and haven't, uh, you know, opened their mind to, you know, a more modern approach. So what I had to do was not only, you know, create like a, uh, you know, convincing sales pitch, but I created a list of, you know, well, how does it benefit you, Evan? You know, if you're the owner of the property, your main headache every single year is that um, you're going to cycle through tenants after every 12 month lease. Right. So, you know, the positive to a, a traditional, uh, you know, long-term uh, renting like that is, is that, yeah, you're cool. You know, you get to be hands off while someone is in the house and all you do is collect a check every single month. But then that family moves out and now you go back in and you do, I mean, you know, one month worth of work just to, uh, you know, prepare the home for the following tenants. And in that one month, that property is costing money because you're fixing everything that, you know, they tore up. And then at the same time, it's costing you because that's, it's not bringing you any revenue for that month. So I knew that that's the main, you know, pain point for um, landlords and property owners. And I, you know, I made it clear that if they were to Airbnb the property, um, I would be in the home for years to come because if I'm property, if I'm profiting out of the property, then why would I want to leave after just a 12 month lease, right? So, so by working with me, they would uh, sign into a you know longer term agreement, which means that they get to be more hands off and I'd spend a little to no time at all uh, working on the property, and, um, and at the same time, you know it's it's a damaging and it's a maintenance, right? So if a family is living in there 24 seven for, you know, 365 for that, that 12 month lease, then that's how you really create uh, damage and wear and tear in the home in general, which like I mentioned, after that lease, that's going to cost you time and money. And so, um, you know, the, the pro to that is if it's Airbnb, I'm going to have a professional cleaning team in there multiple times a week. Uh, just, you know, after uh, a guest checks out, just operating the, the home like a hotel. Uh, therefore, the home is always in pristine condition. You know, it's, it's a benefit because you obviously want your property to, to be maintained. And I need it to be maintained because I'm running a business out of it. So it's a win-win. So, uh, I mean, a, a counter thought to that would also be there's so many people going in and out of there that might welcome more wear and tear in a sense 
just because of the nature of a lot of turnover as opposed to like a family of four that's basically has the same routine, same habits, no partying. How do you, how did you defend that? Well, no, it's actually uh, quite the contrary because if you, you know, picture yourself whenever you travel and you stay in a hotel or, you know, or Airbnb for that matter, well, you're, you're paying the price to be there. You're not, you know, you're not going to travel from Texas to New York and I'm going to spend all of my time in the hotel. You know, I'm just there and paying the price so I can sleep in the hotel and I'm going to be out exploring all, all day and night, right? So, um, you know, the answer to that is that the guests actually spend minimal time in the home. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. And what about the parties? I mean, you know, there's old school homeowners that are like, oh, Airbnb people are there for three, four days. They're going to wreck the place. They're going to party, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it happens, right? It happens. I've, I've seen, uh, you know, on my security cameras, house parties with like 200, maybe 300 people in the home. You know, I mean, these people had, they were selling wristbands at the front door. Uh, so it was a, it was a real event, you know what I mean? It wasn't just a little, you know, someone's birthday party. It was a real live event. And I mean, you know, cops were called and everything, you know, disaster, right? But, uh, you know, that's, that's also a rare occurrence. You know, that's happened, um, one time out of the, you know, year and a half, uh, that have been, you know, uh, these homes and, and then especially on multiple properties. So that's a real rare occurrence. Um, you know, you can, you can utilize um, something like security cameras as well as, um, you know, making sure that your, your guests are really, they're verified, right? And, and setting, these, setting these parameters where, you know, you have to be a certain age limit. Uh, you can't, you know, rent from a, a city that you're already a resident in because, and that's, that's the majority of it. Um, you know, if you're, if I'm here in Austin, then I'm going to make sure I don't rent out to guests who are already Austin residents, because obviously then they're just renting it out for, uh, you know, for, you know, to do things that they wouldn't do at their own home, basically. So, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the answer to that, but it's also, you know, super rare occurrence. Um, all of the, all of their information is, is on the, uh, on the account and on the reservation, so, you know, including their debit card or credit card. Uh, so you can still be charged for everything afterwards, just as a hotel. So how many properties did you have to sign up before you could have honestly, you know, said you were making a living from it? Because, you know, there's vacancies and, you know, issues with canceling. So how many properties did you really have to get under your belt before you started seeing a consistent revenue stream? Sure. Well, I mean, consistency begins with the first property. Um, but, you know, as far as when I left my nine to five, um, it was whenever I began my second property. Uh, so now we're going back to uh, October 2019 is whenever I, I found my first uh, property owner who, after, you know, meeting with 200 property owners in two months span, I then found, you know, the person who really, you know, believed in me, believed in my idea, my vision, and, you know, really wanted to see me, uh, you know, take off and run with the idea. And, um, and so at that point, I signed on my first property. Two weeks later, I signed on my second property because I was, I was all in on this idea, right? And going back to, you know, risk-taking, 
uh, you know, I really, I really believe that my high level, uh, you know, risk taking is, is the top factor, but possibly the only factor, uh, you know, uh, that resulted in me not only, you know, reaching a level of success, but most importantly doing so just in a rapid manner, you know, like I just love speed and every, um, every move that I make is, is with, you know, speed in mind and how quickly can we make this happen? And so I knew that, um, you know, the, the investment with the first two properties uh, that was going to take, you know, full-time amount of, of um, focus that I wouldn't have been able to juggle with the nine to five. And, you know, that's the, that's the leap that you really have to take and you really have to just, you know, believe in yourself and, uh, think that, you know, aligning, if you, if you don't wait to, to kind of have everything aligned, I believe a lot of people wait until they get something started and then they're like, okay, I'll figure the rest out now. You know, that, that first month, as I mentioned, I was already looking into the legalities and the regulations that change from city to city and what kind of permits will I need um, from the city of San Antonio, uh, which will, you know, be taxed my LOC, my properties are taxed like a hotel. So I pay hotel occupancy tax. And, uh, you know, I was figuring all of that out. I was figuring out, I mean, even something broader, like being able to sublet a property that you don't even own, that's technically illegal. So I had to research the legalities on how do I create a strategy where I, I literally find, I found a loophole in you know the residential real estate uh, market and and made that you know into a uh, into a legal business and legal strategy. So yeah, after after two properties, man, I was all in, and it was like for that first you know full month, you're you know I was I was starving, man. It was it was like it's it's go time, you know. I have every penny invested in this, and all I'm doing is grinding as hard as I can and being creative as I can. To, to make it work to where everything I invested, I make it back by the end of the first month. And that's exactly what my strategy is, is, you know, whether you're starting off with one property or multiple properties, you um, invest everything such as your deposits, first month's rent, and then whatever it costs to furnish the place. And by the end of the first month, you make all of that back. So now you, you broke even and from the second month on and every single month, you know, moving forward for however long you, you stay in the property, mm-hmm. uh, that property is now generating the same amount of income. Now, did you have to lease these properties like a full one year term? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, I'm a tenant, right? And so they're going to treat it as a, as a typical, uh, you know, 12 month lease. Just because wow. it's you know the landlord, it's a it's a traditional uh, real estate you know contract. So yeah, to answer your question, I mean that's what you're getting at is the the level of risk, right? That's scary. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm two weeks in, and I have two properties that I've signed for you know twelve months each, right? And so that's that's what I mean, man. I mean that's the level that you have to be playing on is because that's going to that pressure and that that stress that you're under is, you know, makes you more creative than you've ever been. You know, I believe that that most people haven't applied that amount of pressure. They haven't, you know, forced themselves to be in an uncomfortable position 
enough to where they uh, they truly don't know their their full potential. But when everything is on the line like that, you're you're going to max out your full potential. You know, you're you're going to find a way to make it happen. Absolutely. And that's being a true entrepreneur. I mean, everyone really doesn't know the true meaning of entrepreneur. The true meaning is you're taking a risk. You're not just starting a business. You're taking a big risk. And, and you jumped in with two feet. You rented out two properties. I mean, I know you didn't rent it out the first week that you had it because you needed some time to furnish it, advertise it. How long did it take before these properties started to rent? No, rented it out the first night. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I rented it out the first night, which is exactly the goal because, um, you know, I built a good relationship with the property owners and I started uh, furnishing before the, the property was even in my name. Wow. And, um, and so, so by the time that, you know, I wrote them the check and it was, you know, whatever, the first of the month. And, uh, you know, it's day one. My the property has already been marketed on Airbnb site, you know, pictures and everything furnished. And now the game is on and, you know, it's time to start bringing in, you know, night one. There's no time to waste. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, luckily uh, I was applied those strategies. Um, but but I think that um, I think you're exactly right. You know, to your point, you know, entrepreneurship, especially in this day and age, it's just it's cool. Right. It's a, it's a cool thing. It's uh, you know, back in the day, it was it was really, I guess, accepted to, you know, get your career, get your one position started. And then you stay with that one company, uh, you know, for the remainder of your career until you retire. Right. And so now the cool thing is to be your own boss. And everyone, especially, you know, ever since the pandemic, everyone's selling, you know, they have their own baked goods, everyone's making their own, you know, organic soaps from home, um, anything, right? Which is, it's cool. It brings out the, you know, everyone's entrepreneurial, you know, maybe tendencies, but I think that everyone or the majority of people call themselves entrepreneur when they're, you know, too soon into the journey. And um, that's, that's really dangerous because uh you know if you're you're kind of in a sense lying to yourself um and you're you're setting yourself up for failure because you don't at that point just because you uh you know you posted a couple pictures as of some uh some graphic tees you've made you know on your social media and you know you have you have entrepreneur in your bio um and you think that now you're living the life of an entrepreneur and, you know, little do they know that they're setting themselves up for uh, and this illusion that they're painting, uh, you know, to themselves, really, because when you really get into the game and you really get to that, level, uh, you know, everything being on the line, then you know that it's not as, uh, as pretty as, you know, social media can make it up to be. That's true. Very true. So how long did it take you to start earning the same money as you were at your banking job? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, by the time I, um, I landed my third property, I would say. My third property. So now we're talking about maybe, um, you know, maybe three, three or four months into it, into the journey. Um, wow. So, yeah. Which was, which was right before the pandemic began. Um, and, you know, just to just kind of paint the picture of, of what each property generates. Um, you know, I, I began with, let's say if you, you begin with 
a you know cheaper property, especially in a cheaper city, um, and and your monthly rent for that property is let's just say um, one thousand two hundred and fifty, right? So twelve fifty is your overhead, but then to start off your lease, you also need twelve fifty for your deposit to begin with, and and let's say another twelve fifty for furnishing, even though really you know there's there's ways to make it cheaper than that but um but just for you know easy uh, easy data crunching let's just say it's you know 3500 to begin uh your first property and at that point uh you know that property is going to is going to bring in double your expenses so even if you begin with something like a you know one bedroom um that is you know cheaper you know 1000 per month you know, you, you go all in, you know, 3000 just upfront investment and um, that 3000 is it's going to bring in, uh, you know, closer to, you know, five or 6000 per month. Wow. And so from here on out, the beauty of that is, is not only, you know, the, the low barrier to entry, but it's a, the majority of your investment, your upfront cost is, is solely upfront in that first month. So from the second month on, you know, you're, you're not investing, you know, 3000 anymore. You're just investing the, the 1000 for the monthly rent. Wow. That's amazing. So only really a few months in you're, you're making the same money as you would have been stuck making probably for years, who knows, 20 years and not really going up that much. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it's not just about, you know, the salary, and it's not about uh, the money and how long it'll take to increase that. It's about the lifestyle and the freedom, right? Um, I was able to, you know, get myself connected with high-level executives, you know, CEOs and COOs, uh, you know, major corporations all over. And once I once I realized what their day-to-day life looked like, I said, oh, well, I mean, there's a reason why they're getting paid what they're getting paid. You know, I, I had executives telling me that, uh, you know, they're killing themselves in the office because they took one Saturday off, you know, for one weekend, and now it affected their the following week, right? And I'm like, oh, this is, this is absolutely a trap. So what I need to do is work my way up as high as possible uh, to a higher salary as quick as possible and use that as a stepping stone to fund my, my future ideas. So... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible, you know. I think that um, I'm not sure if it's a lot of people who don't, uh, they don't think of something greater beyond, you know, the company that they're working for or if they simply just have never seen it done, you know. They've never seen it around them because that's, the, that's kind of the, the beauty and uh, the main, um, you know, perk to going out and seeking a mentor is – that mentor has shown you that it's possible, you know, and for a lot of people, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's probably the most important. So I think, you know, if I'm able to show and, you know, help someone out and, and, you know, show them that, Hey, you know, live and prove that it is possible, then uh, that could really be life changing for someone. No, that's great, man. So how, what was your, the most properties that you had at one time juggling? in your in your history of uh this airbnb gig 
Yeah. So, uh, well, I haven't, I haven't let go of any properties yet. So I'm still in the phase where I'm stacking them right now. Really? You have all the same properties you started with. Yeah. I mean, we're only, I'm probably in month, like 15 of, uh, you know, self-employment and beginning my LLC. So, I mean, we're not even a year and a half in, um, and I, as of you know, just the beginning of, uh, of March, I, uh, I closed on my, started operating my seventh property and, uh, and two of those properties have two separate rental units on them, which is really the structure that I'm going for, uh, from here on out. Um, as soon as the, um, pandemic hit and everything locked down, I, I know this, so we're talking, you know, exactly a year ago now, I know this, everyone in the real estate industry selling their homes at rock bottom prices, lowering their rental prices, and half of them just leaving the industry as a whole, right? Just selling and getting out. And it completely made, it made complete sense. You know, we had no idea what was going to happen or how long it was going to last. We kind of still don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> and so it made sense that everyone was uh, opposed to taking that risk. And I figured at that point, man, you know, I was probably uh, five months in and I'm like, look, I'm, I'm already all in. Um, I'm already at the point where, uh, you know, it's self-sufficient and I'm living off of my own uh, company. And if everyone is going, you know, one way and taking one direction, then I have to just you know, once again, take the risk and, and go the other direction. And that's when I acquired my most expensive par- property, my largest property. And I was really just stacking almost every month. You know, on average, it was like every month I would add a, a different property uh, to my portfolio. And as soon as, uh, so, you know, we're talking about the, the months of, you know, maybe late March, April, and, you know, a good portion of May. And by the time the summer began and we're now into June of last year, well, everyone was tired and cooped up of, you know, being, being at home for, you know, a month or two, you know, and that's when we were really in the, the lockdown phase. And I know things were worse, you know, up north at that time. Um, and, and that's when, you know, since everyone began traveling again, especially, you know, whether even if they were Texas residents, they just wanted to go from one city to another, right? just for a little getaway and my income instantly doubled instantly doubled as soon as june hit and every month since then has just been a record-breaking month wow, that's beautiful man i love to hear these stories you know especially that you came from an immigrant family you know you have to you know there's so there's so many challenges around that in itself that people don't understand there's so many expectations for you you know, uh, and for your family. So uh, I applaud you for really uh, taking the chance. And, and this should be a, a really life lesson for other people that are starting out. Uh, that sometimes you got to just jump in with both feet and, and just shoot higher for yourself. And that's what you did. Yeah, no, no, I really appreciate that. I know I... Uh, I'm thankful that at a early age, I, I discovered my why, right? They, they say that you should always, you know, begin with your why and keep that in mind. And, and that'll help you along your journey. And I knew that from an early age, and my why was to literally fast forward my, my family, fast forward us, you know, generations just with my, my lifetime and, uh, and really create a legacy and you know, create an impact that will uh, you know, 
really result in generational wealth and affecting um, a family for generations to come. So no, I really appreciate it, man. I think it's, you know, it's also that, that chip on your shoulder also helps out because, uh, you know, growing up and I have, you know, friends in high school who they had the, the heated pool, the hot tub in the backyard and, um, and, you know, the, the Porsche Ferrari as like the weekend car. Right. And at that point you're like, man, these, these people, they have it, they haven't made, they haven't lined up. Their parents have known what colors they're going to since the day they were born. Right. Um, and then, you know, come to find out fast forward a few years later, since they have never, you know, starved and they've never, you know, once again, have felt that pressure or been in that uncomfortable position, then they just, they weren't as hungry as me, you know? And, and I think that's, uh, that's something you can you know, really turn a, maybe a negative start or a, uh, a less desirable start, if you will, and really, uh, use it as a, as a pro and, uh, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's a motivation, you know? Absolutely. You can't, you dwell on your weaknesses or the lack of opportunity. You got to take that negative and that, that rough life and you turn it around. It makes you grind harder and you're going to excel and you're going to excel. You're forced to almost. So it was, it was a great uh, where you started and it made you the person you are today. It made you grind harder. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, it's important that even when you're in that position and you're, you know, you're kind of living a life that, uh, you know, my upbringing wasn't, wasn't horrible, but uh, I knew that I obviously wanted more. Right. And you can still, even in that phase, uh, just create a vision and, and help manifest into, into what exactly it is that you want. Um, I, I mean, I remember, you know, being, you know, I don't know, high school age, walking around here downtown Austin, and, and you're looking at the high rises, you know, the right here on the on the boardwalk, right on the water, and being like, man, you know, how what does it take to to live there, right? And how are these people's lives so different than just the the quote unquote average person? You know, why are they, you know, paddle boarding and kayaking in the middle of the day on a Tuesday? while you know 98 percent of others are there at work right and they can't even don't even think of, of going out to to do something like that because they know it's just not even an option right and so you know you can still you still have the the freedom to um and the right to just dream and envision that better life and then uh i mean in doing so just your subconscious is, is literally paving the way towards that goal without you even knowing of it. And like that, that prime example, that's, you know, it's a real example that I, I remember a clear as day, you know, as a teenager, and now I'm, you know, living in uh, one of the high rises that I used to walk past and, you know, I'm paddleboarding uh, in the middle of the day uh, on weekdays as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something that um, it, it's possible for anyone. And that's great. I think that, yeah. You, you, you don't have to wait, uh, you know, to, to dream basically that's great man you did it young you didn't wait you just jumped in took the chance got uncomfortable and there it is you made it happen so i'm now i'm just let's go back to airbnb for a moment and when that ha you know when airbnb came out i saw the great potential in it uh, especially having properties of my own i was like wow but I was also thinking like on the host end, 
which is what you're doing. Essentially, you're acquiring properties and you're renting it out. Do you ever fear that the actual property owners are going to start doing it themselves and eliminate that what you're doing? No, that's a great question. Um, that's definitely it's definitely a possibility, but that won't happen because they already have their systems in place for the long-term uh, traditional renting. So, as I mentioned, you know the the old school manner way uh, that they're they're running their business. Uh, the only way it is better than something like short-term renting, like Airbnb, is that they don't put you know one minute of work into the property while someone is living in it. So their only work is uh, you know acquiring their property. Uh, you know they fix whatever up that they need to do to be able to you know prepare it for a, a renter. And after that, all they're doing is collecting the check every single month uh, until that that tenant moves out. Well, in Airbnb. I mean, I have, I have my uh, cleaning team, you know, employees of, of cleaners that are, you know, working in the home, I would say on average, you know, three or four days a week per property. And someone who is already at that level of, they have, you know, multiple rental properties, they wouldn't want to, um, you know, modify their business and go from, you know, traditional approach to short-term rental because, because they're just not used to the daily task. You know, they're used to uh, putting in minimal time and minimal effort and, and having that free time uh, to work on their, their future properties, basically. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the answer is um, they would see it as, as too much work. And the only way they wouldn't see it as too much work is if they only have maybe one or two rental properties. But then at that point, that's not a property owner I would necessarily want to do business with because then we're automatically capped on how much our business between us can grow, our relationship between us can grow. Uh, so, you know, I'm working with property owners that have 20, 30 properties just in one city. And, you know, they, they trust me with their first property. They see that, you know, I'm good business, you know, everything works well. It's, uh, it's a win-win just as I had promised. And now they're like, hey, Chris, whenever you're ready, you know, let me know and you have the next property. And because it's, it's more secure, it's more secure and it's guaranteed uh, for them. And like I mentioned, they don't have to add on, um, you know, any effort or time that they put into the properties, yet they're still uh, reaping all of the benefits. Now, you mentioned cleaning. How often do you have to clean these uh, individual Airbnbs? Yeah, well, it's, you know, I treat it just like a hotel. So it depends. Um, I have one guest who is staying at a property for two months straight right now. So that's really cool because then we won't have to step foot in there. But at the same time, the average stay is three nights. So if you're thinking, you know, every three nights, uh, you know, that home is being cleaned, then I mean, just, you know, constant, constant turnover, which is, you know, that means that the, property is constantly in pristine condition as well. Wow. Yeah, it's, there's so many moving parts that people don't realize, you know, cleaning, furnishing, you know, making sure that people get in, they get locked out some, sometimes, right? I mean, there's all sorts of things. That definitely have, I definitely still get those, uh, those calls at two in the morning on, you know, Sunday nights and, you know, someone's locked out or maybe they, you know, 
had too much to drink that night and they, you know, can't find the key, something like that. Uh, but there's, there's ways to, you know, help, you know, minimize any problem that happens. And then when it does happen, you know, uh, resolve it real quick. Uh, but, but no, you're exactly right. It's, you know, that's the physical side of the work is, you know, the cleaning and, you know, walking and touring properties and furnishing it. And then there's also the communication side of it. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to, you know, structure a business where I can run from my cell phone, but, uh, you know, I have to, you know, text the guests, you know, anytime, you know, I'm, as an entrepreneur, you're on call 24 seven. You know, that's the, uh, that's kind of another big misconception, I guess we can put out there is once you take that leap and you get things rolling, you know, you'll never have a day where you're just like, okay, I just won't think about business. I won't, you know, put any, you know, uh, time into business at all. Like there's just always something to do. Right. And most importantly, there's, um, there's always a thought of, okay, things are going well right now, but what else can I do? to just improve for the future, which is really the, that's the exhausting part. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's a, you know, there, there are two sides of it. There's the physical side and then the, the technology side as well, where, you know, I also have to fluctuate the rates on, on the nightly stays and uh, keep my eye on the market and keep my eye on, Hey, what kind of events, you know, concerts, uh, festivals, you know, holidays are coming up and let me, uh, tweak the prices for those certain dates and, you know, just be prepared, you know, two or three months ahead of time, basically. So there's a lot that goes into it, but there's also the beauty of, uh, you know, once things are set uh, and properties are already rolling, then, you know, I, I really do have the freedom of, of being able to operate and run the, the business from, you know, cell phone or laptop. Uh, I was in Cancun last week. And I you know, spent a whole week there and, uh, you know, you, you have the, you know, uh, the gratitude of, of having built something where the business not only, you know, doesn't slow down where you're gone, but most importantly, it just, it continues to grow. You know, we still had, you know, a record breaking month. Um, and you're know, like, damn, at the end of the day, that's the, the true definition of freedom, right? Um, you know, we, we didn't jump into our business ventures just to be a slave to our own business as many, you know, um, business owners are, uh, you know, just take a look at like a restaurant owner, uh, many restaurant owners, if they're not there in the kitchen, then they're losing money. Right. And so that's something that you really have to take time and, uh, and set up and have, uh, have everything systematized prior to even, uh, taking the leap. I get it, man. And everyone has to get it. When you are an entrepreneur and you are reaching a level of success, you can't just let go. It's your baby. Because there's thousands of other people right behind you ready to take your property. So you know that. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, no one's going to care about your business the way you care about your business. So anything comes up and... Uh, you know, I have to be willing to, to, to put in the work because you know, I can't rely on, on someone else, uh, you know, or I can't trust that someone else will, will think about the problem or situation from my exact perspective. You know? um, so, so no, that's, that's really important. I think that, uh, you know, I think many individuals, they, 
um, they really keep themselves stuck into, you know, one stream of revenue and one source of income. And, uh, and they don't think of ways to kind of, Hey, let me, let me think and be creative of, um, you know, what else can this business or this idea branch off to? Right. And so by, uh, by layering on and stacking on those uh, extra streams of revenue, all from the same one business source, you're creating that security and that safety net just in case anything were to happen, just in case another pandemic hits and people don't travel for the next month, right? Uh, just in case a, a competitor comes into your market and starts affecting your profit margins, anything like that. You know, you can think of, um, of any idea where it, uh, it all branches out from the same source. So from my example from that, it is prior to even touring my first property, I figured, hey, let me think of what else can this grow into? You know, I don't want to be stuck with the only source of income that I'm generating is from the guests who are renting it out. What if guests don't rent it out? I need uh, you know, backup resources. So I figured I could write an ebook and have it for sale on Amazon that's just a step-by-step guide, you know, overview on exactly what I'm doing and, and teaching others how to do so. So uh, we're talking maybe three months in, I, I wrote my ebook titled Short-Term Mental Success um, that's been on Amazon and it's been doing well ever since. So that's a, uh, a different type of income as well. That's more uh, residual or royalties. And, um, and now, you know, really the phase that I'm at, you know, one year later is now that I have more free time and, and I don't physically have to be at the properties as often. Uh, I am going to really focus on mentorship and, and taking really, you know, the teachings of that are also in my ebook, but providing that to private one-on-one and more in-depth uh, teachings and teaching others who are interested uh, either in real estate or, you know, Airbnb specifically, how to go out and, you know, on average for you know, $3,000, maybe start up your first property and from there on out, that same property is going to make you 3000 every single month there on out, you know? Uh, so it'd be a really good start. Um, and I think it's, it's going to do really well because it's something that you can begin while you're, uh, you're still working in your nine to five. And then if, you know, you really want to scale that into your main source of income and not just, you know, a side hustle, then there's opportunity to, to expand and scale on that as well. So it, it sounds to me that, the way you really scale is just not just, but by acquiring more properties, right? Is that essentially? It's a very streamlined way to scale. There really, it doesn't seem like there's no alternative way to leverage um, these properties other than adding on a property and getting more guests into them, right? If they're a rental, that's a correct. But now what I'm doing is also if I find the right property, I can purchase the property. So I purchase it. I'm the owner and now I'm still Airbnb it and applying the same strategy. But whenever I exit, I can exit and now sell the property. So I'm building that equity in the meantime. Wow. So that's your next goal is actually acquiring, buying the properties while adding on other properties to portfolio that you rent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say... You know, top two on the to-do list from now, uh, besides uh, mentorship, are really expanding to multiple and different cities. 
that's uh, that's also been a part of the vision since since day one. Is I want to you know take advantage of the freedom that uh, something like Airbnb is applicable to any major city, uh, you know, especially in the country and you know most likely around the world. And so I want to do that, but also uh, combine that with the the freedom of the lifestyle. And uh, you know, if I have a property and I've um, toured properties in downtown Phoenix. And if anything, uh, that's the only thing that the pandemic um, really slowed me down from, you know, making happen is that month I actually had planned to, uh, to go and fly out to Phoenix and sign on a property there. And then everything went into lockdown. I couldn't fly out. And so, but nonetheless, now I'm, uh, I'm still, I still have my eyes set on, you know, properties in different cities and let's say, you know, once I get to the point where I have, you know, my multiple properties in Texas, uh, you know, let's say a property in Arizona, a property in Colorado. Well, now I have the freedom in my lifestyle to be able to say, hey, Evan, let's go visit the, uh, you know, the Colorado home for a week next month. And now all I have to do is block off that calendar, you know, that home on the, uh, the calendar. And I can free up while I'm gone my property that I'm living in here in Austin. And while the Colorado property isn't generating me money that week because we're staying in it, I can rent out my Austin property. So just moving pieces that uh, will really um, also be enjoyable because, I mean, that's just, that'll make for a cool lifestyle that, uh, that many business owners, you know, they're, they're not able to structure the business in that way. So I have to really take advantage of that. So yeah, that's, I mean, plenty on the to-do list, but but yeah, that's definitely uh, definitely will get it done. I, I got another couple of more questions with Airbnb that I think my audience also has. So, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of properties on Airbnb, and specifically to maybe your where your properties are, there's probably thousands of other properties that people can choose from. How how do you compete with that? I mean, they might be in a an apartment in a little better area might even be the same price or a little less. How are you getting people to rent your property? Yeah, no, I mean, great question, man, great question. You know, it's, it's easy to think that right off the bat is, okay, it's going to be location and price, right? Whoever has a better location and a better price, then they're going to win. But, you know, the cities, uh, and each state is different, but uh, cities have their own regulations uh, against Airbnb as well. And it, it does create a barrier entry uh, because there's a limit on how many properties per street can be Airbnb'd. Um, and, and the reason for that is, you know, if it wasn't for that rule, then you can go and Airbnb an entire like subdivision. And now you're just having like a whole block party go on, right? And everyone's just tearing up the city. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a rule that's necessary, but it also... Once you're in and, you know, your property, you know, qualifies and is properly permitted, then um, it helps out, it helps keep competition out of your area for that reason. And so, you know, luckily, um, I think there aren't as many competitors that are, you know, that close to you. And it's not like, you know, you have, you know, neighbors that are, you know, competing against you. Uh, so competition is a little bit lower than some may think. Uh, but, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you're still going to have, uh, things like location, your price, 
um, how many guests can your uh, home sleep. So, you know, the more guests that your home can sleep, the more revenue it's going to bring in. So, you know, simply doing things like instead of a sofa, you're going to have a you know, futon, the sleepable couches and things like that. Um, and so if people say, well, this home sleeps, you know, two or three more people than the one, you know, down the street, then they'll go for that one. Um, as well as maybe things like uh, entertainment and, and furnishings, you know, that's where something like interior design come into play. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the beauty is, you know, people are renting out, you know, your properties as an Airbnb for an experience. You know, they're, they're going to be hotels that I'm competing with against too. But, you know, people are tired nowadays of just the, the cookie cutter appearance of a hotel with, you know, zero experience, right? And so uh, you have to really keep in mind everything you're providing to the guest. Makes sense. Now, what are there maps out there that tell you this is a no Airbnb zone or you're, you know, this block has four already and you can't go on it. Like, how do you know you're not renting a property that you may not be able to Airbnb? Yeah. Um, you can, you can check with the, whatever city your, you know, your home is in, whatever market that is and uh, check to see which homes are already permitted. And I mean, it's all public, you know, free information, and yeah, that way you don't get tied into a property and then you realize that you're not able to Airbnb it legally, right? That would be, that would be worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's always ways. Yeah. There's always ways around it. Um, I think that, you know, once again, building connections, right? Building that network and uh, having, whether it's a mentor or, uh, you know, a connection at whatever city you're looking to get into, that'll always be useful. And so I, you know, lucky enough, during my corporate banking days, part of what I would do as an investment uh, when I was a data analyst would be working with nonprofits and local organizations. And so I already had connections with, you know, heads of you know, different departments at the city. So that was something as simple as, you know, a phone call and, you know, hey, this is my idea. Uh, do you think it'll, it'll work, you know, here in this specific area? And, um, you know, you can just go from there. And that's something that you can, you can build and, you know, you can reach that and uh, gather that information without, uh, you know, needing those connections either. And, but then the connections can also uh, provide you with, you know, opportunities and options for different ideas. So on the, uh, on the point of in this topic of uh, competition, I think, man, one of the, the most uh, savage business moves that I think you would uh, you would like to hear that I've uh, I've been able to create is I knew you know found after you know four or five properties I found my favorite area in town uh, just in, specifically in the city of San Antonio and I knew okay this is the perfect town perfect area uh, you know perfect proximity to these major tourist attractions so I want you know the majority of my properties or any property I can get here uh, you know that's that's exactly the uh, the kind of uh, style I'm going for and kind of my niche right and so um, I was on the cusp of of the you know the regulations limits where the the limit reads that there are uh, for every twelve homes only two of the homes can be Airbnbs and I already had two properties on that same block on the same street. And so I went to the city and I, 
propose this idea of, hey, if I'm able to uh, gather a third property this, you know, in this neighborhood, um, how can we create a way to, you know, get that passed and create a special exception and, uh, and do so to where, you know, this is my market, right? Like, and, uh, and, you know, they, they love the idea, but they wanted to make sure that I had the, or they had the acknowledgement from the neighbors, neighbors on the street. And so it's like, well, I've been, I mean, those are small relationships I've been creating and working on from day one, you know, little things like, Hey, when Christmas comes around, I'm taking all of the neighbors, you know, little Christmas gifts. And that's from day one, you know, a year before I even had that idea and, you know, it's paying off then. Um, and, and so, yeah, you know, neighbors after knowing me for a while, uh, they, they all knew that it's, you know, I wasn't bringing any problems to, uh, to their neighborhood. And if anything, I was, I'm increasing uh, maybe the value of their properties because, I'm technically, you know, a business that's now there in their area. Uh, so it's a win-win. And lo and behold, in, you know, 24, 48 hour span, that goes from an idea to meeting with uh, heads of departments and, and getting uh, acceptance from, you know, my fellow neighbors in the area. And, uh, and now everything, it's, it's assigned, uh, you know, special exception is what it's considered. And, you know, the result of that is I now have – zero competition in my favorite area to do business in. So, you know, you, you have to, you know, on one end be, um, you know, be nice enough and outgoing enough and, you know, thoughtful enough to build these relationships with these individuals. And on the other end, you have to be a complete savage and know that, you know, as you mentioned, Hey man, if, if you don't get it done and if you're not out there, you know, ready to kill it and do the most possible, then someone else will. So I need to prevent that from happening, you know, now, way before it happens. That's great. That was a great move. Keep your relationships great. Even if they're not letting you rent the property, you went ahead and said, you know what, I'm going to get this block some Christmas gifts anyway. And it paid off. So that's, that's out of the box thinking that, that it takes a real entrepreneur uh, success to, to, to get to that level of success. You have to think out of the box. You got to think future. You can't think dollar always how much money am I going to make? Uh, relationships are key. And, and that's, that's the big point that should come out of that, uh, what you just said, basically, is you were able to grab another property and went against the whole law, basically, and you bended the law because you, you had great relationships. Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's really a testament to just to prove that there's more possible than, than what we're told. Right. Uh, you know, if you're constantly just playing by the rules and thinking that, you know, hey, these are the rules, so nothing is possible beyond that, then you're automatically limiting yourself. Uh, but by limiting yourself, you're, you're only doing so because you're playing, you know, someone else's game. Right. Uh, you have to you have to get out there and really be able to create your own and and, you know, be a pioneer, be a pioneer. I think that you don't necessarily be, have to have to just think of you know these ideas and these ventures that are just expanding on a already existing idea or existing product. You know you can go out there and be a pioneer and you know uh, begin you know invent your new product, invent uh, you know a, a strategy that's that's never been done before, and uh, you know by by doing so that's going to that's going to put you at the you know, top of the 
the industry and got a niche for the industry. Um, but then you also have to be ready, you know, to put in the word because once, you know, word gets out and, uh, you know, everyone starts hearing of your idea or your strategy, then, you know, everyone's, you know, implementing the same thing. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Right. And, and I'm curious, I'm noticing Airbnb is really trying to replicate the business model of hotels with amenities, with this, uh, the experiences now, um, What's going on with that? Do the, do the hosts like yourself, do you get a piece of that action when they're selling some local excursions or, or add-ons to the, uh, to the actual rental? Rental? Right. Well, as far as uh, you know, excursions or anything that's uh, you know, not operated by a host, then that's more of just awareness. That's more of, hey, you rent out uh, one of my properties in a city that you've never visited. Here's like an easy go-to just for popular attractions, right? But uh, so for something like that, I wouldn't, you know, gain a percentage of, of that revenue. Um, the, the gain really comes from if it's an experience that I host. And so, which is also an option, you know, I'm sure plenty of hosts are doing it, but if hosts say, um, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a great chef, so I can, uh, I can cater to you and your, your party of guests. Right. And, and so now, you know, you, you hire me for that. And, uh, and now it's like, you're staying in my home, but I'm also cooking for you and your party, something like that. You know, you can, I guess, be a tour guide and say, Hey, um, I'll show you all of the, you know, best uh, restaurants in town, maybe the top tourist attractions and, uh, and kind of gain, gain a percentage on that. So it's really just an added layer, um, you know, and, and I'm sure that many of hosts can use that if they're not too busy with their properties, I'm sure they can add that on. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it's an added layer and, uh, you know, add a little side hustle to it. Um, but, but nowhere near something like, the income that's um, you know generated by the actual renting of the properties. I get it. So, so where's the future of Airbnb going? I mean, it's set up a really great business model. Um, so I don't know if there's really that much more they can do. But where do you think the future of Airbnb, other than problems they keep kind of bumping into with cities trying to shut them out? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, and that's uh, you know it really shows you that you that's another point reason why you have to do research ahead of time is because different cities just have different perspectives on it, you know. Um, but I can tell you that you know the future of Airbnb, what they're looking to do is also build their own buildings for that reason. So here, you know, funny enough, it's you know two blocks away from me. There's a a high rise that's owned by Airbnb. And, and what they're doing is that it's a condo building and they, they build their first in Miami, which Miami is, you know, uh, kind of the hub. That's kind of where, uh, you know, the, the idea or the uh, implementation, I guess I should say of Airbnb began. And, uh, and so they built a high rise in Miami. Now the second one is here in Austin and, you know, their, their condos that are starting at $400,000 for a one bedroom and, and up from there. <laughs> but the beauty of it is if you, if you go out and purchase uh, one of those condos, then it has the amenities and uh, most importantly, the staff, such as you know, maids and cleaning teams as a, as a hotel. 
uh, but you get to own part of that. But isn't, isn't that competing with you? Um, yeah, that's true. And I mean, that's why I don't have properties in uh, the markets where they're building high rises in, for that exact reason. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's scary that, you know, essentially it sounds like they're trying to become a hotel. It could be. Um, I, I don't know because at the same time, that's also a huge expense on their end. And so, you know, it's not like they'll necessarily go out and build these buildings in every major city. Um, you know, what is it you know, basically free for them? All they have to do is provide a platform for a, a host such as myself to, you know, I own the property or I rent the property and I pay Airbnb a small percentage to, you know, pr promote my uh, property on their platform, basically, right? And that's at, you know, minimal cost to them. So that's still a more cost-effective and just real uh, efficient, minimal overhead uh, kind of way to go about things. So I don't think they'll completely abandon that idea. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Well, well, Chris, man, for someone who's been in this game, I would consider not a long time at all. You're, you're doing some great things and you're really accelerating, man. I, I commend you on that. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it, brother. I mean, you know, it's it's incredible uh, the rate at, at things, you know, the way these things have, have scaled. Uh, but I mean, you know that it's it's early enough, especially with uh, the drive and the passion that we have. Uh, you know, I'm not slowing down. Uh, you know, I have ambitious goals for for this year and, and you know for the future moving forward as well. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, man. That's great, man. I'm, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. You, you're giving people a lot of real inspiration uh, with a real business, not just you can do it. Uh, you really did do it. And you're, you're now tr extending yourself with some kind of mentoring. So where can people find your book? Where can people find you if they want some consulting? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so... My LLC's website is theattractivelifestyle.com. And there I have a one-stop shop, everything from, you know, publications and, uh, you know, any press such as, you know, this podcast would go on there as well, um, to my ebook that you can find on Amazon titled Short-Term Rental Success. Uh, you'll see a full list of my properties, uh, everything from, the Airbnb game to also car rentals, which we didn't get into. But uh, uh, six months ago, I also began, uh, you know, promoting and really applying the same strategies from Airbnb, but to car rentals. And so now I rent out my cars a few days a week or a few days a month, excuse me. And, and you know, I had the guests pay off uh, uh, my car, my monthly payments for that as well. And so, you know, really just applying this overall idea of if you look at anything I've created or anything I've, you know, leaped into, all it is, is me, you know, looking at the, the average life, especially average you know, American life and thinking, well, what are the top two, you know, expenses in life? And it's the house we live in and the car that we drive. So how do I turn those liabilities into income producing assets? And that's, that's really all of them, you know, just put it in a nutshell. Um, and so you'll be able to see a list of, you know, um, everything I do and every way to contact me uh, through my company's website. And uh, you can also find that website link in my bio on Instagram, which is Chris Faison Inc. 
and yeah, man, I'm, you know, uh, easy to, easy to approach and easy to reach out to and always willing to, to help out anyone who is seeking the help. So looking forward to it. That's great, Chris, man. We appreciate you. You're a real inspiration. And I hope uh, people check you out because uh, you, you dropped some, some great gems for some um, new entrepreneurs looking to get into that uh, business, the Airbnb. Yeah, no, I really hope so, man. I, you know, thanks uh, for everyone, you know, tuning in on this. And I hope that uh, it's more than more than just motivation. You know, I think it's easy nowadays to go on Instagram and find a motivational quote and, you know, share that and that kind of, that kind of boosts you, you know, temporarily. But at the end of the day, you need to consume information and content that you can really apply to daily life whether it's business or not. So hopefully, uh, you know, the audience left with uh, some good takeaways. And yeah, I was glad, uh, glad we could connect, man, and look forward to staying in touch. Definitely. I'm, I'm calling up some properties right now. Where's my phone? Hey, let's go. Let's go. Uh, I, I'd love to expand up north so we can definitely make it happen. Let's do it. Let's do New York. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, and then at the end of the day, you know, once we, we have a list of properties that we've uh, you know, worked on together, then we'll just travel to those different properties and you know, run business from there. So, you know, we'll, we'll create our lifestyle out of it. <laughs> Sounds like fun, Chris, man. Thanks for coming through. I wish you much health and wealth. All right. And thanks for letting us mind your biz. All right. Take care, brother.